the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Aunt Rachel hits the big time. Tomorrow is Aunt Rachel's big day. Dr. Levine will be testifying in front of a committee in the Senate right up there in Washington, D.C., looking to be approved as Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services. Let's hope the doctor has a good hair day. We wouldn't want to see Pennsylvania embarrassed. Not that Dr. Levine isn't already an embarrassment, but let's look at what we're going to see tomorrow. Um, We're going to see a man who now claims to be a woman defending encouraging kids to mutilate themselves because of a mental illness that has been uh, has them confused about uh, which which sex they belong, which sex they are. And lots of senators will not only vote yes, but they'll do it proudly because they'll be confirming the first transgender person to serve in a cabinet position. Uh, based on Aunt Rachel's uh, terrible performance as Pennsylvania Health Secretary during the COVID hysteria, it seems pretty safe to assume that the transgenderism is the only reason that Dr. Levine is moving on up. Uh, back in 2017, Aunt Rachel recommended cross-sex hormones for kids in their mid-teens. Uh, and warned about the dangers of going through, quote, the wrong puberty, unquote. Dr. Levine thinks it's a good idea to prevent the natural process of adolescent development. Of course, the big guy thinks it's okay, uh, the big guy being Joe Biden, of course, he thinks it's okay for an 8-year-old to choose to change genders. Eight. Eight years old. He said it out loud. Should be, it would be discrimination to not allow a kid to change, uh, to have sex change um Procedures, operation, drugs, whatever. And Aunt Rachel will be there with the drugs, of course. And, of course, everything about this is completely insane. You have a man claiming to be a woman getting ready to be confirmed as a national expert and advisor on health care. If someone who had been in a coma for the last 10 years woke up today and showed up at the hearing tomorrow, they'd think they had suffered severe brain damage. They wouldn't believe what they're seeing. But not only are you not allowed to believe that this is insane and ridiculous, but you're expected to think it's wonderful. And you'll know that when you see the celebrating after Dr. Levine's confirmation. You'll be told that the United States and the human race uh, made huge progress by putting a person with these insane ideas in a position of power and influence. Isn't that wonderful? But, of course, if you voted for a Democrat, this is what you voted for. These mentally disturbed people are now in charge. So if you're a Democrat, enjoy it while you can. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk to a man whose story was uh, used in a hearing on the Senate floor yesterday in testimony about what really happened on January 6th at the Capitol. Stick around. Some home repairs just can't wait for spring, especially a leaky roof or drafty old windows. Well, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, windows, gutters, and downspouts, siding, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew, so don't put it off. Right now, Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Get new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office. Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial, aluminum, wood, and composite. And to show their appreciation to stag fans everywhere, you'll also get 10% off your total project when you mention this show. Get 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and 10% off. Backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. Wow. I think we can all agree that a lot went wrong in 2020. 
But you can start 2021 off right with a resolution to help protect your identity and personal info using LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. The sad truth is, one in five people have been a victim of identity theft. But LifeLock alerts you to potential threats to your identity. And they see more than you can when you just monitor your credit. Like your info for sale on the dark web. And if there's a problem, LifeLock's U.S.-based restoration specialists know the steps to take to help resolve your case. Of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock is the New Year's resolution that helps you protect what you've worked so hard for. Get 25% off your first year with promo code SMART at LifeLock.com. That's promo code SMART for up to 25% off at LifeLock.com. Imagine doing one thing that could give you an entirely different perspective about your place in the world. I assume you would feel it was worth it. Dennis Prager here inviting you to join me for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour through the land of Israel, October 2021. Come with me to get first-hand insight into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. I'll introduce you to the geopolitical, economic, and spiritual dynamics of a truly remarkable nation. Walk the ancient temple steps, sail on the Sea of Galilee, and so many more unforgettable moments. Return home inspired, renewed, and empowered. If you've ever dreamed of seeing Israel, this is your opportunity. With expert guides and important lectures at key sites, we'll be together in the comfort and safety of luxurious accommodations the whole time. Join me for a life-changing adventure to give you a renewed sense of purpose. To come with me to Israel in 2021, call 855-565-5519. That's 855-565-5519. Or book online at standwithisraeltour.com. StandWithIsraelTour.com Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things. Like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's. So thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. The Senate held hearings yesterday on the riot at the Capitol on January 6th. Maybe you heard about that. There's been some talk about that since it happened. Anyway, uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin was accused by liberals in the media of spreading conspiracy theories for using the story. He referred to an eyewitness account from security expert, uh, from a security expert. That expert is Michael Waller, senior analyst for strategy at the Center for Security Policy. And he joins us now. Michael, thanks for being here. Hey, John, it's good to be with you. So the headline of your piece is, uh, I saw provocateurs at the Capitol riot on January 6th. Where did you see them from? Where were you? I was right there on the west front of the Capitol. I'd walked from uh, near the White House all the way about 13 blocks to the Capitol, all the way up to the west front, uh, about 40 feet from where all the, uh, the uh, violence began. And, and how organized did the operation look to you at first glance? Well, at first glance in the march itself, we saw groups of small groups of people, about uh, units about two to four, uh, maybe sometimes six people. Uh, all wearing similar types of uh, clothing and having a certain uh, different demeanors of their own. And so I noticed them during the march down Constitution Avenue, and the, most of the crowd was just you know, happy people who were, who were upset with Congress, but they weren't angry like they were going to storm Congress. Uh, we saw the real trouble, though, when these groups began to converge up on the west front of the Capitol, and then they went into action to coordinate um, their agitation of the crowd and, and getting people to push up against the, the uh, hardcore cadre in the front who, were, who went there to fight the police. And you broke it down in, in your piece at the Federalist uh, into four separate units 
who were they and how many people are we talking about in, you know, in, in relation to the overall size of the crowd? Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to tell because I was only giving what I saw at the time on January 6th. But I saw uh, groups, again, small groups, two to six people at a time. But then when they converged at the Capitol, I saw between maybe 30 and 50 of the uh, civilians who were either in subdued uh, civilian clothing or in uh, military-style uniforms with helmets. They, they coalesced together from their small groups into one much larger group. And these were the actual sort of uh, groups that invaded the Capitol building along with the, the guys dressed in MAGA gear who were attacking the police. So over, it's really hard to say, but I would guess uh, from what I saw on the Western Front, roughly 100 who were actually there to cause trouble. And then they brought in people who were just, got caught up in the, you know, the pandemonium or the excitement or, or yeah, whatever yeah. you want to call it, that, that sort of crowd psychology where people start doing things they never intended to do. And so what's your experience with this kind of stuff, Michael? Well, I began actually in the 1970s when I was growing up in New England that we were protesting a nuclear power plant. And I was trained by, as a teenager, by professional radicals who come in from California. So I know how these crowds work and how uh, the agitators are come, in, come in to, to manipulate them and to manipulate crowd psychology and to channel people and organize them and so forth. So but from long ago, you know, I saw similar tactics last month at the Capitol building. Um, but then having been in Washington for about the past, almost the past 40 years and seen many, 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 many protests, you learn how to identify who's leading them, who's running them, who are the innocent people who are just getting caught up with it, who are the naive people and who are the actual professional agitators. And, and, who are uh, you make things. a point to say that your account is based only on what you saw and not influenced by any reports that you've seen since. That's right. You saw I wrote that day. The, yes, it was a report to myself so that I could refer to it later on without mm -hmm. being uh, having my views contaminated by anything anybody had told me or anything I'd seen in the media. So I went home right after that yeah, at about so, uh, you know, 4 o'clock and wrote, started writing. And so uh, did, did you get your feeling that... Um, that uh, based on the number of police there, that they were expecting something as you got there that day or as you started watching the, what was going on? Well, they were expecting something early on because I walked past the Capitol Police barracks on my way to toward the White House before coming back to the Capitol, and it was about 11.30 in the morning. I saw them preparing there in their anti-riot gear, but I didn't see them deploy until uh, about 3.30 in the afternoon, so there's a four-hour gap that can't be explained but having been around capitol hill and i worked on capitol hill uh in in the congress uh, anytime you, know, you have metal detector checks and you have uh, people checking guards checking your bags you just can't bring a backpack into the capitol and uh -huh. so during a joint session of congress where you have the house and senate meeting together in the house of representatives and the vice president there as well there's a colossal amount of security, and on that day there was very little. So, what did that? Did you notice that at the time? Did you? Did it occur to you that boy, they don't seem to be too worried about anything happening here today, based on what I'm looking at? Yes, I thought it was strange because in the the march itself, okay, you have the, the protesters need a permit from the Washington D.C. government, from the mayor's office, to be able to have their protests so that the city can close off streets and have the police presence that's needed for it. And I noticed walking, oh, what, 15 blocks toward the White House up Pennsylvania Avenue, the police presence was very light. They were there, but they were very casual, and it looked like a very low state of alert. Walking back Constitution Avenue to the Capitol building, different route, the police presence was also there, professional, but also rather light, like they were not expecting any trouble at all. When we got to Capitol Hill, there we left the jurisdiction of the park police, federal park police, and the D.C. police, and got onto the jurisdiction of the U.S. Capitol Police, which is controlled by Congress. We didn't see anybody for the first few minutes, not until the, uh, the anti-riot police showed up uh, on the uh, inaugural stand where Joe Biden was going to come in the next week to be sworn in. 
And it was a surprise because there's always a Capitol Police presence around Capitol Hill. So uh, you, uh, as you were watching it, there's two things here. There's what you were thinking as you were watching it and the notes you made to yourself as you watched it and, and then the notes you made that night without being influenced by what was going on in the media. Uh, overall, if you tie everything together, what you've seen since and what you saw that day, how, how pre-planned was this thing and how well have the media portrayed this how, how close have they come to portraying this the way it actually happened? Well, it was planned well in advance. And the way you can tell is that, if, think of the narrative at the time was that President Trump incited this riot and he goaded all these people to just get riled up and to storm the Capitol building during the joint session of Congress. That's false. Because you, you had actual military-style units wearing tactical gear with backpacks and helmets and GoPro cameras. They just don't spontaneously appear there with all that gear. Somebody has to plan that and to get mm-hmm. them to that point at that time. And then when you're, when you're entering the Capitol building from our side, it's the, called the crypt level. It's the basement level. It's a 200-year-old huge limestone building with columns and narrow passageways and so forth. You really have to know your way around that area, especially if you're going to invade the Speaker of the House's office or attack the House of Representatives. There aren't just, you can't just wander in and figure your way around if you're organizing this. We did see from the videos that a lot of people did wander in and try to figure their way around. This is a level beneath the rotunda. So, and it's a, it's a, it's a tough area to navigate if you don't know. So somebody had to know their way around and go in and plan that. The same thing with the individuals who were coordinated to start chants and to, to keep the crowds surging toward the Capitol. People didn't know what was happening. They just said, hey, come on, let's, up, let's get up and let's get close. They didn't know that they were being led into a funnel to apply pressure against the police line. We didn't know that until way after the fact. So, so these were organized um, units that had been, they had rehearsed this, they had planned this out, and looking at where people were standing in reconstructing it, you can see they were standing in patterns where they could communicate to people and really not, not in a helpful way. They would intimidate people from trying to leave. And when I left and I was trying to help somebody else out who was, who, who was having trouble breathing in that area and then some people who were frightened because they thought they would get trampled uh, when the tear gas was coming, and then my, my companion who had a bad foot. When we, were, when we were trying to get a way out and I was trying to open up a passage in the opposite direction of the incoming crowd, these coordinators were grabbed me and were screaming and swearing at me and telling me to get back in line. I mean, they were the disciplinarians of the group. These guys were organized. They weren't just there spontaneously. Okay, so it was organized, and there were, but were there two groups organized? Uh, one, you know, one a pro-Trump group, and one a either a a group that wanted to appear pro-Trump and then do bad things and make Trump look bad. Or were you know what was the mix there? Uh, what 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 the feeling? What's the feeling you get about um, who was doing the organizing and what they were what were they planning to do when they got there? What I observed at the time and what I wrote about and Senator Johnson quoted from it yesterday were four different groups. I called them cells or units. One of them was MAGA people who were dressed up in MAGA gear and they were super militant who intended to go there to cause trouble. Mm-hmm. Second group were these uh, civilians who were not necessarily wearing um, political-oriented clothing, but they were the ones coordinating chants and standing up on higher areas to intimidate people into not leaving or to help have them keep pushing forward. Uh, and the third group I described as fake Trump supporters. They appeared to us to be uh, Antifa or Antifa type people. You can't. You don't really know if they're really Antifa, but they're. They looked like left-wing activists who were, who were wearing Trump gear, but they were wearing their hats backwards just the way people had known in advance they would be so they could identify one another. And, and they looked out of place. They weren't uh, socializing with other people in the crowd. They weren't, they weren't talking to other people. They looked like they knew they didn't belong there, and they felt awkward being there. Uh, but the curious thing is I did not see those left-wingers cause any trouble that day. 
And then the fourth group was the organized military-style units that uh, some press reports later said were the Oath Keepers. And people were saying that at the time when, uh, when I was there. I, they came within two feet of where I was standing. Uh, but I didn't put that in the article because I didn't know it for a fact. It was just what, what somebody had said. And now it turns out that was a fact. So you had, you know, people, people on the right, but like hardcore people, were organizing this, but they were exploiting the unsuspecting crowd of people who were just, you know, supporting their president and uh, upset that Congress was, was uh, certifying an electoral vote that people thought had been stolen. But there was no anger to invade Congress or to destroy property or to face the Capitol. We're talking to Michael Waller. He's senior analyst for strategy at the Center for Security Policy. You can see his piece at thefederalist.com, his eyewitness account of being there on January 6th. Uh, So um, bottom line, what is the difference between what you think happened and what you think most people think happened based on the coverage of this event? Well, based on the coverage of the past day, where I, I just treated myself to watching Whoopi Goldberg trash my article on The View. I've never imagined watching The View, yeah. but I had to. Uh, but it, it, it's completely misleading. What, what Senator Johnson said, he was very clear, and he put the whole article in the record, but only one journalist that I know of actually bothered to read the article before writing about it. And so the whole line was that... Senator Johnson's pushing a crazy conspiracy theory that fake Trump supporters secretly organized and planned the invasion of the Capitol, which the senator never said, and I never said it in the article, and he inserted the article into the record, and uh, only one journalist called me up to ask me for my comment before writing a story yesterday, and then one more did today. So so it's like the, the journalists didn't even do their homework. They just grabbed on to one of four different groups that Senator Johnson described based on my article, and that was the fake Trump supporters. And, and then he said all of these groups need to be investigated, and then they went out with this phony story about how Senator Johnson is floating a conspiracy theory that's unsubstantiated, uh, that it was left-wingers who did this under a false flag-type operation to make Trump look bad. None of us ever said any of that. Now, uh, last thing, I've got about a minute to go here. Um, did anything, do you think, based on what you saw, do you think that anything Donald Trump said had anything to do with what went wrong? Not necessarily people being there, but what happened? No, because it was planned in advance, and, and there was, it, takes, it takes time to walk 16 blocks from the White House to the Capitol. It was a slow walk. And it was a really social walk. It, it didn't look that way on the video footage because it wasn't that way once the police started firing tear gas at the Capitol. But up until that point, it was a pretty happy and enthused group. But no, there was no, no sentiment, no talk, no nothing of attacking Congress or, or, or causing an insurrection or any of this. They were excited that the president of the United States spoke to them, but... That was really the extent of it. So, no, he did not incite the violence that occurred on January 6th. Well, that's the bottom line. And, uh, Michael Waller, I appreciate you being here. Maybe Whoopi will invite you on her show. That would uh, that'd be a crazy idea, but, uh, you know, ask you about it. But thanks for being on my show. I really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, it's good to be with you, John. Okay, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki is defending the living conditions of surge facilities that have been reopened to house unaccompanied minors making their way across the U.S. border. Those very facilities were often criticized harshly by Democrats during the Trump administration. Senator Rick Scott of Florida has released a memo sent to elected officials, activists, donors, and voters across the country outlining his focus on how to win back the Senate. The National Republican Senatorial Committee chairman says Democrats have tried to portray a rift in the Republican Party since the 2020 election came to an end. 
CVS and Walgreens drugstores will start doling out COVID-19 vaccinations in more states. That starts tomorrow. The chains say they've received more vaccine doses from the government after using their initial allotment. A winning session on Wall Street, another record high close for the Dow. This is SRN News. Excuse me, why don't you have life insurance yet? I've got diabetes, and I know the price will be through the roof for the pre-existing condition. Well, actually, Selectquo makes it easy to get very affordable life insurance, even if you have a health issue. I'm listening. You'll get quotes from some of the country's most trusted carriers. Even with your diabetes, you can get around $250,000 in insurance for as little as a dollar a day. That would be amazing. <laughs> What's it called again? Selectquote. Just call or go to selectquote.com to get your free quote. Get the coverage you need at a price you can afford. Call 1-800-694-1010 or go to selectquote.com today. That's 1-800-694-1010 or selectquote.com. Selectquote. We shop. You save. Get full details on example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Monthly premiums vary based on health company and other factors. Not available in all states. Dennis Prager sees the root of the issue. This extreme cold in Texas is part of the issue. That's right. Fossil fuels not only heat up the atmosphere, they freeze up the atmosphere. And every Times reader believes it. The belief in left-wing lies is the root of the problem in the United States, and it continues. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Charlie Kirk at 2 on AM 1250. The answer. The following is a paid announcement. The advertiser was paid a marketing fee for a digital campaign. Please make sure to review our disclaimer on our report page. According to the EIA, solar energy is expected to grow the fastest of all renewable energy through 2050 and at a combined annualized growth rate of around 17% by 2025. Tap into this red-hot sector now when you text the word SOLAR to 48542. With an environmentally conscious administration on the horizon, the industry disruptor that we've identified can help you supercharge your portfolio performance in this vital sector. Find out which company we've identified when you text the word SOLAR to 48542 for your free subscription to the Avid Technology Markets Report. Get this red-hot intelligence delivered directly to your mobile device so you can make decisions as market conditions change. Learn more and get in-depth research with your free subscription to the Technology Markets Report when you text the word SOLAR to 48542. Tap into this red-hot sector now when you text the word SOLAR to 48542. Text SOLAR to 48542. Receive a $5 rebate by trading up any non-contact thermometer toward an exogen temporal scanner purchased at any retailer. With COVID continuing to spread, nothing matters more than having an accurate thermometer that's backed by more than 80 published peer-reviewed clinical studies, like the exogen temporal scanner. Even after getting the COVID vaccine, you should be monitoring for fever to make sure you are protected. Keep your family and yourself safe by trading up your non-contact thermometer for an accurate temporal scanner and a $5 rebate from Exergen, where accuracy matters. Details at exogen.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Seeing that congestion on the outbound Parkway East Bates Street up to Edgewood Swissvale. Roughly five-minute delay. Inbound slowing Grant Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. And we're looking much better now on the Parkway West. Only minor delay inbound Parkway Center Drive to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. On 28, looks like any earlier delays have cleared out pretty nicely. Parkway North, 79, checking out in good shape. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. It'll be breezy this evening. Otherwise, we'll see considerable clouds tonight. Tonight's low, 29. Clouds and sunshine on tap for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 39. Mostly cloudy skies expected for tomorrow night with a low of 22. Friday, we'll see sunny skies followed by increasing clouds. Friday will reach a high of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. John Kerry says our planet can only survive for nine more years if we don't do something about climate change. Uh, rising sea levels apparently not one of his big concerns. Uh, I think John bought a $12 million oceanfront house on Martha's Vineyard a while back. Maybe he's building a really big wall. 
But uh, Dr. Patrick Moore is a co-founder of Greenpeace and the author of a new book called Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom, and he joins us now. Patrick, thanks for being here. Hello, John. Good to be on with you. Yes, uh, yeah, we had you on a while back. It's good to have you back again. So uh, do you think that Mr. Kerry just has really good flood insurance? Would that be... Uh, you know, I think he doesn't know what he's talking about, and he knows. Oh, that, okay. but that—that's that, not going to be much of a deterrence to the climate catastrophe narrative, as apparently uh, this means they can get a lot more money out of the public or something. I'm not sure what they're expecting, but what does it look like when the world ends in nine years? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, will it actually blow up into smithereens, or? Or what? That they keep saying these things that the world is coming to an end. It it doesn't seem to me that that's possible. Yeah, uh, nobody. That's a good point. Uh, nobody really has come up with a description. And you'd think some creative writer who believes all this stuff would have done that by now, because you it would. wouldn't be that you hard. Would indeed, to... John. Yeah, I've I've said about climate about climate change and the idea that it would cause sea level rise of significant proportions. We actually have two choices if that happens, which, of course, since the last most recent glaciation, which peaked about 20,000 years ago, the sea rose 400 feet since then. It hasn't risen much in the last 7,000 years because by that time the major glaciers that covered half of North America were already melted and the water was back in the sea. But we have two choices if there is a sea level rise that causes a problem. One, move to higher ground. That would be a, a good solution. And yeah. second, hire the Dutch. 25% of Holland is below sea level, and they're keeping it out because they know how to do it. So, for example, in a place where the land rises steeply from the sea, it's probably a good idea there to build a barrier because, you know, you can, you can save the land or you can move to higher ground. But especially where the land is flat going back a long, long ways and a great deal of land is threatened with flooding, there you should definitely build a wall, build a, wall, build a, build a dike like the Dutch do. They've been very successful at it. Yeah, and um, you're, the, the title of the book again is um, uh, Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom. So why is it important to notice that these threats are invisible? Well, one thing about invisible threats is no one can observe them for themselves. So carbon dioxide is the classic case here, but there's also radiation and things which are so remote, far away, like polar bears and coral reefs and the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, so-called, which is actually fake, that nobody can see for themselves unless they went there and counted the polar bears or went swimming for months on the Great Barrier Reef because it's bigger than Texas. So all the scare stories pretty much are about things that the average citizen cannot observe and verify for themselves. Therefore, they depend on the activists looking for donations, the media looking for advertising and sales and sensationalism, the politicians claiming they're going to save your grandchildren from certain death. And, and then there are the scientists who are on serial government grants on taxpayers' money telling us over and over, year after year, that the world is coming to an end and the science is settled, why, if the science was settled, would they need more research grants? It would seem to me that if the science was settled, they could go on to other things. But no, on the one hand, they say the science is settled. On the other hand, they continue to apply for more grants. And on the other hand, they tell us to shut up about it because they know what the answer is. So it it isn't really very fair, is it, to have something invisible that you're scaring people about who can't check it for themselves, and then your interests are mainly in making sure they believe the scare story because that's how you make your living. Yeah, and I think another component of it is also, uh, and this is relatively uh, new to the whole equation, and that is the willingness of people to believe it because to not believe it makes you a bad person. So that you, you, in order to virtue signal, you, whatever John Kerry says, there's a certain portion of the population that just buys it right away. And why, why would he say that if it's not true? And then you can look down on people who don't believe him. 
Yes, you can call them deniers and associate them with the Holocaust. And, you know, you can say that, oh, you don't care about the future. You don't care about your children. Well, actually, if you cared about your children, you would not cower in fear because some bunch of politicians are telling you you should, because that's how they get control of you, is by making you afraid of the future. You have to have hope for the future. And if you have hope for the future, you can help change it for the better. But if you don't have hope, if you just, you're just afraid of the future, you're not going to be a very positive uh, citizen in, in moving forward. And that's why I believe that, you know, the previous administration was about make America great again. That's a positive message. That's a hopeful message. But we're going into a dark winter, which I think I've heard repeated a couple oh, of yeah. times. That's not a very positive message. That makes people afraid. And, they, and it's done so on purpose. So we should remember that unless we can demonstrate for our own selves that these scare stories are true, we should not believe them right away. We should do some research. And the best research you can do right now is to read my book, Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom, which goes through 11 chapters, including one on climate, but the rest of them are on all other subjects like polar bears and coral reefs and the Pacific Garbage Patch, and nuclear energy, and GMOs, and all the things that they're trying to scare us about, and showing you very clearly, in clear English, without having to be a a, a scientist or a PhD, I have been communicating environmental subjects, scientific subjects, for 50 years, beginning as 15 years in Greenpeace, and then realizing my fellow directors were going in the wrong direction that I wanted to have a sensible environmentalist instead of going off in scare stories like they did eventually. And we departed ways at that time. And I have continued to try to help explain to people in words that they can understand. So my book is meant for parents who have high school children or older children. Hopefully the parents will buy it and understand it and give it to their children, whatever age they are above about grade nine, anybody with a proficiency in English can understand my book. Yep, and it's broken down. As I was just going to get to that. You mentioned uh, it's 11 chapters, and each chapter uh, is one of these invisible uh, topics. And one of my favorites you've mentioned a couple times here is polar bears being threatened with extinction because of climate change. And again, they're way up there in the North Pole in the Arctic, and uh, who you know who sees them, right? So they can make that. So they're making that up. They're making that up. The people who live up there, the Inuit people, they are passing regulations now to protect themselves from the growing population of polar bears. See, it's, it's, a, it's a quick and simple story. In 1973, wildlife biologists told the governments around the Arctic that the bears were declining due to overhunting. It had become easier for big game hunters to fly to the Arctic, hire an Inuit guide, and go and get a couple of rugs for in front of their fireplace by killing a couple of polar bears. Well, this was getting too much. And so all the polar countries came together in 1973 and passed a treaty, an international treaty, ending the unrestricted hunting of polar bears. Since then, when they had been reduced to somewhere between six and 10,000 individual bears, they have grown back to at least 30,000 and perhaps as many as 50,000. This is one of the conservation success stories of the century and these people who are taking advantage of people's love for bears, especially polar bears, are basically lying about what's going on with the polar bears. They are fat and happy up there this year and last year and the year before. They've been growing in population for 45 years, just a little more than that, since that treaty was signed, which is what saved them from continuing to decline. And what about the other 999,999 species facing extinction in Chapter 5 of your book? Yes, well, this group that's associated with the United Nations, it's got a name that I can't even remember because it's so big, but it has to do with biodiversity. They are saying that even though we only know of (laughs) 1.7 million species of insects and fish and birds and all the other categories of life, They have been documented, they've been named, there's photographs of them, they've been given Latin names, etc. They say, actually, there's 8.7 million people. 
and the people, not people, 8.7 million species. They're saying that is the best estimate that scientists can come up with. Well, how can you know that there are 7 million species that we never even seen before or don't have a name or haven't been documented? And that's what they're actually getting away with doing at the international level. That's how they can predict that 1 million species are going to go extinct in the future and scare us all about the effects of climate change and all the rest of it. That, there's, that means a million species. Well, actually, that's more than half the species in the world that we even know about. It's, it's totally bogus. And yet they are getting away with, with telling people that a million species are going to go extinct. The only problem with their theory is that if 2 million species went extinct tonight, we would not know it happened because we never knew they were there in the first place. What kind of science is that? <laughs> well, what's the Great Pacific Garbage Patch? You've mentioned that here already, too. Yes, yeah, CNN had a big story just a year or so ago about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, twice the size of Texas, three times the size of France, which is growing more rapidly than we earlier presumed. You know, so it's a total scare story, alarmism all the way. And actually, all of these Pacific Garbage Patch pictures that you see on the Internet are photoshopped. They're not pictures of anything real. And I have put in my book those fake pictures to show people. Once you know they're fake, it's easy to see they are. But people can be fooled if they're told this is a picture of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, twice the size of Texas. A composite photograph in my book done by the National Association of Atmosphere and Oceans shows very clearly they take a picture every day all year so that they've got the Pacific Ocean, the whole Pacific Ocean, which has no clouds because somewhere every day there are no clouds. So they put all the pieces together showing the whole ocean without any clouds. There is no Pacific garbage patch, not even the size of the Hawaiian Islands because the Hawaiian Islands can be seen in the satellite photo and there's nothing in, in, in the way of a garbage patch. It's not that there isn't some plastic floating around in the ocean, but this is a whole other story. Plastic is just as beneficial to the ocean as wood is. There's driftwood everywhere in the ocean. Things live on it, lay their eggs on it, eat the food that grows on it. So plastic, they, 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 they lie about plastic saying that it's toxic. Well, if plastic was toxic, why would we put our food in it and wrap our meat in it and use it for nearly everything these days to put grapes in and put smoked salmon in. And we put everything in almost in plastic. We do it because plastic is not toxic. That's why we do it. And there, th th it's a total double, double think here to think that plastic suddenly becomes poisonous when it's in the ocean. It's not, it's inert, just like a piece of wood is. And there's many other things about plastic in my book that it would take me half an hour to talk about. But let me tell you, that plastic, the war on plastic, is simply a proxy for the war on fossil fuels because the plastics are made primarily from fossil fuels. Yeah, uh, we've done a couple of shows on that with people who are uh, pointing out what a ridiculous uh, hoax that is. But um, we're talking to Dr. Patrick Moore. He's the co-founder of Greenpeace and the author of Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom, uh, so what, I, mean, I don't know that you even care what it is, but uh, it's, uh, it's just, I'm curious, what's the motivation, the real motivation between, uh, uh, behind people who decide that they'd like to cr um, uh, create a hoax called the Pacific Garbage Patch? What's in it for them? What's in it for them is publicity, money, and authority. I mean, they become important because mm -hmm. they're doing this. <clears throat> but it's a lie. It is in the Pacific garbage batch is indeed a complete hoax. I wouldn't call, you know, some people call the climate catastrophe thing. That is a hoax, but climate change isn't a hoax. The climate's always been changing and, and always will change. Sometimes it changes quickly and sometimes it changes slowly. Like now it's not changing very quickly at all right now because we're in an interglacial period. It's a fairly benign period in this Pleistocene ice age that we have been in for 2.6 million years so far with 40 plus major glaciations during that period and then interglacial periods in between the glaciations. And this is one of them, the last 10, 11,000 years during which human civilization has developed. 
So we are living in the tiniest little speck of time compared to the long distance of time that has occurred from the beginning of life 3.5 billion years ago. I mean, this is the real problem, is that people only look at their own lifetime or perhaps their parents' lifetime when they understand that, that hist- what they call history. And th- then there are the professional historians who go back to you know, the Second World War and the First World War and the Roman Empire and the Egyptian Empire and things like that. But even that is not even a quarter of the way back into the interglacial period we're in now. And so, well, it's more than a quarter of the way back, but it's not very far back in time. And and 10,000 years is, is a blink in nature's eye. And that's really how old human civilization is. So we should get a perspective on time. It's not easy to do because it's hard to think in millions of years if you haven't studied in millions of years, studied the changes in the Earth's climate, and, and, you know, most people don't realize we're at the tail end of a 50 million year cooling period here. There's a thing called the Eocene Thermal Maximum that peaked 50 million years ago. And since then, the temperature of the Earth has gradually dropped and never going back up again, just dropping. So, and suddenly we're in an ice age, which is what we're in now. That's why there's so much ice on the poles, because this is the Pleistocene Ice Age. The last so, ice age ended 250 million years ago. It was called a Karoo. It, it lasted 100 million years. And so this <laughs> one's just a baby compared to it. We don't know if, it, if it's going to end anytime soon. Certainly not in our lifetime. Well, Patrick, that, that really, uh, for, for, uh, for John Kerry to come up with uh, nine years compared to 250 million, that's, that's, kind of a, that's kind of an amazing stat that he came up with. That he can predict it nine is indeed years. because because in fact, John, the two facts that really matter are that the Earth is colder now, even in this interglacial period, which is a warm period in between major glaciations, but still cold compared to the previous temperature of the Earth before we sunk into this ice age. It was 250 million years ago that the Earth was last this cold. That is a fact. The second fact is with regard to carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide has steadily declined in the global atmosphere for 150 million years to during the last major glaciation, which was 20,000 years ago, it sunk to 180 parts per million, which is only 30 parts per million above the death of plants. So in other words, there's been an incredibly dangerous decrease in carbon dioxide, the main food for all life, and certainly the main food for all plants, and thereby the main food for us, because we eat the plants or the animals that eat the plants. Photosynthesis is the only way that the energy and materials for life are created. And that is just a fact, and, and carbon dioxide is the main food for that photosynthesis. So, hey Patrick, I'm, in, I'm, I'm out of time. I'm up against a hard break here. Well, uh, I'm I always love then. having you on. Pardon me? <laughs> Thanks a lot, John. No, uh, the name of the book again, Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom. Get it for your kids. Thanks, pa- uh, Patrick, Amazon. for being on always. We'll be right back. By now, you've all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's literally changed my life. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape. They're made in the USA, and for a limited time, Mike is offering his premium my pillows for his lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium my pillow for twenty nine ninety eight. That's regularly sixty nine ninety eight. That's a forty dollars savings. Kings are only five dollars more. All my pillow products come with a ten year warranty and a sixty day money back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code STAG. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800 716 
8087 and use promo code STAG. 800-716-8087, promo code STAG. Sounds and pounds of fur. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, Zippy and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to live long, healthy, happy lives. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just tried this wonderful, catalicious Dynavite for cats, and my cat has been on it for two weeks. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. It is just the best. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for cats was coming out because I had seen the changes in my dog. To introduce my cat to Dynavite, I took the advice from Dynavite and put their food on top of just a scoop in the bowl just to get them used to it because I know if I even switch one little thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Wow. Speaking of toxic masculinity, Dr. I mean, uh, Governor Cuomo. Oh, boy. He's got a uh, former staff member and, a, and a, a very important person in the in his cabinet. I guess you would call his cabinet in the in state government of New York anyway is now accusing him of uh, having asked her to play strip poker and then stepped in front of her uh, and kissed her on the lips when uh, she was in his office by herself. And uh, she wrote a long piece about it and uh, describing everything and other uh, people who worked uh, with uh, and around the governor, saying other women saying the same kinds of things, that he was uh, one of those creepy guys. Now, how how many times did you have to see... Governor Cuomo in those press conferences to get the feeling that he's a, a pompous, officious, um, egotistical, smarmy, slimy creep. I mean, that's that's kind of what I thought when I would watch him. Uh, arrogant. You can throw that in there. You can come up with a lot of other adjectives. Where's he going with this one? Lindsay Boylan is the woman's name who wrote it. It's just coming out today. Fun to watch the uh, non-Fox outlets tonight. See how they're uh, coming down on this one, because I'm pretty sure they were in the Believe All Women camp during the Kavanaugh hearings, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see how they do with this one, especially that guy, uh, Chris Cuomo, works for CNN. It'll be interesting to see his take on this. We'll talk about it tomorrow, maybe. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.